0: This is our second study in the series of this Old Testament book of Judges. Look at verse 1 again with me. The book of Judges gives us the story of Israel after the death of Joshua. And Israel, as you well know, is no doubt a picture of spiritual Israel, God's chosen people. Verse 1, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass... That the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. So immediately here we see that the book of Judges gives us a picture. Uh, a picture beforehand looked at the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The children of Israel, having lost their beloved leader Joshua, who pictured Christ, are lost and without any direction. Without Christ, that's what we are. We're lost without direction. So they asked the Lord, who shall go up and fight for us? So God raises up Judah, who also pictures and typifies the Lord Jesus, who's from the very tribe from which Christ came. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. And then He says these words, Behold, I have delivered the land into His hand. Now that, friends, is the Gospel. Such an important fact concerning our deliverance. It has nothing to do with something that we do. It has everything to do with what Christ Our Judah has done for us. God says, Behold, I have delivered. That's a very important truth in the Scriptures. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and He spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Our Lord speaking of Himself in the third person in John chapter 17, verse 2, said, As thou hast given Him, Speaking of Himself. Power over all flesh that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. It's He that gives eternal life. It's God who gives this power of deliverance. And this power of deliverance is given in Jesus Christ. The Lord told Pilate in John chapter 19, verse 11, Thou couldst have no power at all Against me, except it were given unto thee from above, it 's God who gives the power. Peter wrote in Second Peter chapter one, verses three and four, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So straightway we see this glorious truth in the book of Judges. The Lord says, behold, that's what we do in preaching, behold. Look to the Lamb of God. Behold, I have delivered the land and the enemy into Judah's hand, picturing Christ in his hand. This is why Jesus Christ and Him crucified is the gospel. It was by the death of Christ, being, Christ being crucified, that chosen sinners are delivered. The first thing that we see in Jesus Christ being crucified is it was man's will that he should be crucified. Men like to brag on their will. They like to talk about their will. They like to talk about how they've uh, cooperated with God to to save themselves. But it it was an old custom during the feast for the governor to pardon a single prisoner named by the crowd. And while Pilate asked the Jews, or when Pilate asked the Jews, which of the two should be released? Barabbas, who is said to be a notable prisoner, or Christ, the sinless Son of God and God the Son? You remember what they said? Barabbas. Barabbas. We we choose Barabbas. And then Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ. And they all said unto Him, Let Him, Christ, be crucified. My, my. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required, and he released unto them Barabbas, for, who was for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they desired. And then it says this, But he delivered Jesus to their will. Secondly, With the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, we see that Jesus of Nazareth is both Lord and Christ. These are fundamental doctrines, but so important to understanding this wondrous teaching of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, which is the Gospel. Acts 2.36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly, this is something that you can be assured of, that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by Him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. You want to see something of man's will by nature? There you go. Yes, Acts 4, 11 and 12. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, <laughs> for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Oh, that's the best news this sinner ever heard. And it is good news for sinners. And then the third thing about Jesus Christ and Him being crucified that the believer rejoices in is the fact that only Christ can save you. It's God who gives the increase. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, 'I I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Oh, I like the way Paul preaches. Don't you like the way Paul preaches? Oh, I like the way Peter preaches. Well, I personally like the way the Lord preached. And Paul asked this question, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Can another sinner save you? Can Can you save yourself? For a while one saith, I am a Paul, and another, I am a Apollos, are you not carnal, aren't you not fleshly minded? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believe? Don't ever put a preacher on a pedestal. They'll let you down. They'll let you down. Paul goes on to say, I have planted. That's what a preacher does. Apollos has watered. That's what preachers do. But God gave the increase. Salvation is of the Lord. Never forget that. Fourthly, the preaching of Christ and Him crucified is foolishness to this world. But it's the power of God unto the believer. In the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we, we, the believer... We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, it's a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks, it's foolishness. But unto them which are called, called by His mercy and by His grace, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then fifthly, the preaching of Christ to Him crucified is the only message that saves sinners. But why would we want to hear another message? I had a man tell me one time that he enjoyed my preaching, but that he thought I needed to go into the deeper things of God. What could be deeper than God becoming a man? Taking my sin upon Himself? Dying the cruel death of the cross as a as a criminal? So that I might live. Is there anything deeper or more profound than that? That's why Paul called this the testimony of God, that being the gospel message. He said, For I determined not to know anything among you save or accept Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Beloved Christ and Him crucified is the only way any sinner can be saved. God created man in His own image. God gave man, He gave Adam dominion over all things. Adam was the only man other than the Lord Jesus Christ who had a free will and a free choice. Adam was under a covenant of works, and in order for him to live forever, he must be obedient unto God. And he was free to partake of each and every fruit or tree in Eden's garden except one. Except one. Genesis 2.9 And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And The Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God said, that tree is mine. That's my tree. It belongs to me alone. But Adam chose his wife over God. Adam disobeyed God and Adam died as God said he would. He died spiritually. God said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, what does all this have to do with you and me? Well, Adam was the federal head and the representative of all mankind. And when Adam disobeyed God, he died, as I just said, he died spiritually, and every man and woman, born of woman, died in him and with him. Spiritually dead we are by nature. Mankind, men and women alike, lost eternal life and they lost their free will. So you can talk about your free will all you like but you're just revealing your ignorance of the Scriptures. Mankind's will was now in bondage to their nature. Man no longer had a choice in doing good or evil. Uh, The Scriptures ask, how can one who is accustomed to doing evil do good? And men and women by nature love darkness rather than light. So how is life restored to any fallen man or woman? Only one way. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Some will say, Preacher, this is just more of the same. Well, yes it is. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. God had to become a man in order to redeem fallen men. God had to fulfill His own holy law. God had Christ, the God-man, had to satisfy God's holy justice. Christ paid the wages of sin, which was death. And in 1 Corinthians 15.22, Paul wrote, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That's speaking of all who believe. And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul, and the last Adam... Jesus Christ was made a quickening, life-giving spirit. This is why Jesus Christ and Him crucified is the gospel of good news. So what does Judges chapter 1 have to do with all that? Well, I'm glad you asked. As you well know, the Old Testament Scriptures provide us with beautiful pictures and types Of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they also expose the counterfeits of the Lord our of glory and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have such a counterfeit in this king that we are going to look at tonight. His name is Adonai Bezek. And that is the title of my message, A Counterfeit Christ. Okay, Judges chapter 1, look at verse 4. Verse 4, And Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they slew of them in Bezek ten thousand men. And they found Adonai, Bezek, and Bezek, and they fought against him, and they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. But Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued after him, and caught him, and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table, as I have done, so God hath requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem and there he died. Now, it was common practice in the Middle East and also among uh, the Greeks and the Romans to sever the hands and feet of their enemies. And it's, it, it was the case, and, and this was the case with the thumbs and the great toes of Adonai Bezach. And these actions serve not only to humiliate the enemy, but also to remove the ability of the enemy to fight. Uh, Without thumbs, they couldn't throw a spear, they couldn't draw a, a bow, and they couldn't run into battle or run away from battle. This method also made the enemy subservient and totally dependent upon their captor. And in these verses, we see the gospel in a, in a couple of ways. First, as we've already discussed, the source of victory and deliverance for the child of God is always the Lord. According to verse 4, it was the Lord that delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites uh, into Judah's hand and slew 10,000 men. You know, I was thinking about that today. I looked it up. Uh, census in 2021 um, shows the population of Madisonville, 19,000 plus people. That was 10,000 people. That's half the population of the city of Madisonville. And then the second um, application to the gospel is the capture and disarming of this king, Adonai Bezek. And what a picture this is to the, Conquering of our soul by the Lord Jesus Christ. As we've already mentioned, we're born in sin. We're born as enemies of God. Men think that they're something when in reality they're nothing. Every man and woman by nature believes themselves to be lords of their own domain. And this is what the Lord said about us. He said, Thou thoughtest that I, the Lord, was altogether such a one as yourself. But, I will reprove thee. I'll set the record straight. You're nothing like me. Nothing like me. Salvation, friends, is being overcome. Salvation is being apprehended. The fact that we're captured shows us that we're not what we think we are. We have no ability to resist the Spirit of God. (laughs) And and flee from God as Adonai Bezak did, our Judah will always prevail. Always. All that the Father gives to Christ shall come to him. John 6, 37. Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul knew that it was Christ who had apprehended him. And every child of God knows that. Listen, I I know if not for the mercy and grace of God, and Him setting His affection upon me and affectionately drawing me to Him, I would have never come. I wouldn't have. I would have never come. But He drew me with the cords of love. And by His grace, His Word is always effectual to His people. Paul knew that it was Christ that knocked him off his high horse into the dust. And every believer knows the same thing. Now we see from our text that Adonai Bezek is a counterfeit of the Lord Jesus Christ, and whenever you have the real thing, I remember years ago, Coke had a commercial Coke the real thing well they 're wrong <laughs> they're not they're wrong. Jesus Christ is the real thing, and when you have the real thing, you always have counterfeits. What is a counterfeit? A fraudulent imitation of something? And this is seen even in the name of Adonai Bezek. His name means Lord of Lightning or Lord of Light. But he's nothing more than a counterfeit of the true Lord of Light and Lightning, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ alone is the Lord of Light. Our Lord Himself said, except those days of great tribulation be shortened for the elect's sake if it were possible that even the elect would be deceived. But it's not possible. It's not possible to deceive the elect of God. Christ said, If any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christ, and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. And many will be taken away by them. While we see it today. Uh, but not the child of God. No. God has given us divine discernment on such things. Also, I would bring to your attention that Adonai Bezak's name signifies a flash of lightning. A flash is something just appears for a moment and is gone. You've heard the saying, a flash in the pan? (laughs) Just a flash in the pan. That speaks of a thing or a person whose sudden but brief success is very short-lived. The Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. You see, all pretenders and counterfeits of Christ will be made short work of. We also see some indication here that Adonai uh, Bezak was a counterfeit priest. I found this very interesting. The fact that Judah cut off his thumbs and his large toes are very significant. Let me show you that. Hold your place here and look back at Exodus chapter twenty-nine with me. Exodus chapter twenty-nine, verse twenty. Counterfeit Lord and a counterfeit priest. Exodus 29 and verse 20. <clears throat> when the priest of God was consecrated with blood, we see here in verse 20, then shalt thou kill the ram and take of his blood and put it, the blood, upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons. And look at this. And upon the thumb of their right hand and upon the great toe of their right foot and sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. You see, by Judah removing the thumb and the great toe of Adonai Bezak, this false lord, this false priest, was proven to be a counterfeit of the Lord Jesus Christ, our great Lord and great high priest. Did you notice Adonai Bezak's confession there in verse 7? He owned and admitted that this dismembering this that he suffered was what he deserved. This was a just and righteous judgment against him. He said, and if I may paraphrase a bit, he said, I myself have cut off the thumbs and the great toes of 70 kings, and I have made them like dogs who eat the crumbs from my table. And as I have done, so God hath requited or requited, I don't, I don't know how that's said. Other, it means recompensed or paid me back. Now, I don't know for sure, but maybe... At that moment, God Almighty saw it fit to give Adonai Bezak a sense of his sin and show him something of the holy justice of what he deserved. But I do know this, it's for certain that every lost man and woman who stands before the great judge on the day of judgment will be made to see and made to confess that they're only receiving what they deserved. I've heard the occasional reader of the Old Testament say things like, boy, it's a bloody book. And I suppose that verses like 6 and 7 here are one of the many reasons. But folks have no understanding as to why the Bible is seen as a bloody book. They are looking to blame God of being unjust, but they don't understand what the law of God requires and demands. What does it require and demand? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You see, it's a just and right recompense. God's law declares that one who took the life of another should lose their life. And whatsoever a man sown, he must also reap. God was bloody and because, he, only because man was bloody. Man was only reaping what he had sown. And another way that this king proves to be a counterfeit is that he treated his captured foes for the purpose of shaming and humiliating them. They, to, to him, they were nothing but sport. Very often, defeated foes would be made a spectacle at feasts and at banquets by the king who had captured them for the entertainment and amusement of those who attended. And our Lord, that proves Him to be a counterfeit. Our, our Lord no doubt humbles His elect people, but not for the purpose of shaming them, not for the purpose of sport, for speculation or for, for, uh, for entertainment and amusement, but for the purpose of chastening them. Deuteronomy 8.5 says this, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. God's chastening of His sons and daughters is not done in wrath, it's done in love. This is why chastening, thats this is why correcting should be patiently endured, especially when it's God who does it. The hand from which this chastening comes and in the manner that it comes and for what end and purpose it comes should be thankfully received. Oh, I I wish we could realize that. When trouble comes our way, that we might recognize it as the chastening and the correction of the Lord. Proverbs 13.24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, But he that loveth him chaseth him. (laughs) The father who withholds and withdraws his rod of correction, his discipline, may be said to hate the child from whom it's withdrawn. It means that the father doesn't love them enough to teach them. Uh, He that corrects his children is one who loves them. I've told you this many times. I often got a spanking. My mother was the disciplinary one of my parents. And uh, she was a a tough woman. (laughs) And oftentimes as she beat me with the belt, um, she'd say, I'm only doing this because I love you. I I understand that now. I think I understand it. That's why we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, for whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth." He corrects and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And not all men and women are the objects of God's love. You know, we see those who have no interest in the gospel, no love for Christ. Seems like everything goes well for them. There you go. Only those whom the Lord has chosen in Christ only those whom He calls by grace, only those that He justifies and pardons and accepts, He causes them to love Him. And because He loves them, He chastens them, and He scourges them whom He receives. And the Scriptures say, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is He whom the Father chasteneth not? But... If you be without chastening or chastisement, then you are bastards and not sons. Oh, the child of God who's corrected doesn't ask, why me, Lord? No, they rejoice that it's them. (laughs) Knowing that God deals with them as with sons and with daughters. So the next time trouble comes your way, May God enable us to recognize whose hand it's from and why it's sent to us. Are you trusting in the Christ of the Bible? Or is your Savior a counterfeit? Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. He said, I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin unto Christ. But I fear I fear as as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety that your minds have also been corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Many who've heard the Gospel message have said things like, it can't be that simple. It just can't be that simple. There's got to be something that I must do in order to be saved. It can't be just as simple that God took my sin upon Himself? Well, that wasn't a simple thing. But the message is simple. He that knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's not a hard message. Impossible to believe without divine intervention. But it's, not, it's a simple message. Salvation is of the Lord And salvation is in the Lord. (laughs) Paul continued and he explained, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you've not received, or accept another gospel which you've not accepted. In other words, if you can find one to save you to the uttermost like Christ can, you might well bear with Him. In other words, you might consider following that preaching, receiving, accepting this other Jesus, this other Gospel, this other Spirit. If you can find one that is more profitable to you than Christ. But you never will. You never will. And I don't have any reluctance tonight in telling you from my heart why. Neither is there salvation in any other than Jesus Christ because there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom. He gave Himself as the ransom. He gave to Himself and He gave Himself as the ransom. The church of Galatia, the apostle said, I marvel, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ unto to another gospel which is not another. What then is the result of such a gospel message which is not a gospel message of all, at all? Paul said, There be some that trouble you. There be some that trouble you. The true gospel, the true Christ, will comfort you, not trouble you. Amen. The true Gospel is just that. Good news for sinners. Good news for sinners. The other Gospel, the counterfeit Gospel, only perverts the Gospel of Christ. It only alters, it only changes, it only distorts and corrupts the glorious Gospel of Christ in Him crucified. Jesus Christ and Him crucified That's the message of substitution. Christ being put to death in the room instead of the chosen sinner who deserved that horrid death of crucifixion. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. And grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. I don't want what I deserve. I want what I don't deserve, and that's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now let me ask you in closing, have you ever heard any better news than that? It's not what I do. It's what He did for me. It's by grace. Through believing. And even the grace and the faith is His gift to us. Not by anything that we do. And that's why it's called the Gospel. And there is no other. Only counterfeits. May God enable us to continue to believe the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one Gospel and there's only one Christ. There's only one Savior. There's only one mediator between God and men. There's only one Spirit. Only one God. Oh my, this is such a a simple message, isn't it? I, I was horrible in math in school, but I do know one. And Christ is the one. May God enable us to believe Him as we are.